Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert. Good morning. This is Carol Bossert. Welcome to another episode of Museum Life. I am sitting here in um, my office looking at a beautiful, beautiful spring day on the East Coast So here in Washington. And so I wish all of you a happy spring. Uh, recently, uh, there was a very interesting conference in uh, Geneva, uh, the Museum Next Conference. It is Europe's major conference on the future of museums, and it attracts uh, many advanced thinkers from around the world and challenges attendees to tackle the big issues of today to help future-proof their organizations. Well. I wasn't able to go to Geneva, and I'm assuming not all of my listeners were. So I have with me today someone who was at uh, the conference and offered to be our eyes and ears. Alan Takmakoff is the associate partner at CNG Partners, a multi-specialty New York-based design studio. And for the past two decades, Alan has led multidisciplinary creative teams in the design of exhibits and experiences for cultural and commercial clients in Europe, the Middle East, Canada, and the United States. He has a full list of very impressive credits behind him. He also is the author of Museograph, museograph.org, a blog exploring spatial design in the context of museums, art installations, exhibits, and experience environments. And he also can be uh, reached on Twitter at, at Alan Takmakoff. Uh, and so, Alan, thank you so much for agreeing to do this for us and being on our show today. Thank you very much, Carol. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Good um, morning. Alan, good morning. I know uh, you told me uh, uh, last night that you had all sorts of little sticky notes and notes about the conference, and so pretty much I'm going to let you uh, drive the show today. Uh, do you want to perhaps start with just some overall impressions of, of the conference? Of course. Of course, definitely. Um, so um, maybe just... First thing to say is that um, I, I uh, lived in Geneva, actually, where the conference happened in Switzerland. Uh, so Museum Next decided to um, uh, to do this conference in uh, in Geneva, which I think was a remarkable initiative from uh, from Jim Richardson. And uh, I personally felt very close to actually the topic and the city. And when I learned that actually this will happen in Geneva, I said I, I have to be part of this. Um, Geneva, you might know, is, is well known for the United Nations, but at the same time, it's a very small city. It's about 200 to 300,000 inhabitants. And it has that uh, image of being uh, very picturesque, but at the same time, 
uh, Geneva is very traditional and conservative. So I thought that bringing the topic of what is the future of museums to Geneva is something um, that was very enlightened, and uh, that will actually create a lot of discussion, not only for the museum professionals that were there, but also for all the institutions, the Swiss institutions that are present there. So we had, uh, we had um, different events uh, that were taking place. Um, Geneva, as I said, is a small city, so some events were, were happening at the Bâtiment des Forces Motrices, uh, but a lot of other museums were actually involved. Uh, one of them, we had an event at um, at the Museum of uh, Art and History in Geneva. Uh, we have an event at the Museum of Ethnography in Geneva. We have uh, uh, we have a, an event at the MAMCO, which is the Museum of uh, Contemporary Art. So um, it was really a, a very interesting mix of um, seeing different cultural institutions and then really the, all the speakers and all the sessions that we had reflecting about what is the museum of the future. And um, I mean, when I, when I looked at all the, the museums, I mean, I was, I was, I, I left Geneva like in uh, 2001 and I lived there for about 20 years. And the impression I had was, well, all these museums are really old and they need, they need actually to, um, to revive themselves. And I was very surprised that all the museums there were doing that effort to go into uh, and asking themselves what is the future of museums. And I think it's, it's, I'm, I'm starting with this because I think it's, it's summarizing also what, what were the main themes and trends that we can, we can talk about during this, this talk here. Um, and, well, the museums, the local museums there, I think they're looking um, specifically are how, what can they do to have a social impact? Uh, and I think um, it's, a common, it's a common theme that you will find throughout. Uh, what can they do to, um, to, to quickly adapt to changes? You know, what can they do to be flexible? I mean, they, they've been institutions that have been there for for, for years and years, and they're looking actually to rejuvenate, rejuvenate themselves. And, um, and also, um, more, most of those museums are collection-based, and they were very, uh, they were, in a way, they were very introvert, and uh, they wanted to open themselves as a, you know, to become more extrovert, and uh, implying some storytelling, implying some narrative, and some, uh, some experience design then. And then, basically, what what these three, these three themes are really highlighting is um, so somebody at the conference started actually the first session saying that um, really what we're trying to reach here is the head, the heart, and the hand. And I think it's, but I think it's, it's very, very important and, uh, to, to note as well that actually we want to do that in an integrated way. So... Uh, we have um, we have been we have seen a lot of those museums doing separate efforts in in all the different directions that we just I just mentioned before, but now it's I think they have they have the experience. Uh, you know, technology is at a certain point. Social media is at a certain point. They they have a certain distance to be able to say, all right, how do we bring all this? 
um, as an integrated approach. How do we uh, stimulate uh, the head? How are we thinking about process and methodology? How are we touching the heart with emotional factors? And how, what, are, how, what is the hand aspect of, the, of this? How do we, what is the physical aspect? And all this is forming a museum experience. And what is, I think, the most important thing in those themes is they are all user the, they, play, they all place the user at the center of their, of their thinking. And um, I think it's quite something that has been for years around, but it's really only now that I, I had that impression that, all right, now I understand, now I see all the efforts that are, um, that are uh, put together to arrive to that, um, to that stage. So That's very interesting. Um, so it sounds mm -hmm. as if there's sort of a, a convergence going on. There is definitely, yes. There is definitely a convergence. And uh, that, that convergence, um, I would say, uh, I, would, I wanted to talk through our, our show today about, uh, about those three convergences, which I think makes the most of sense, uh, is really how the social impact of the museum um, to start with uh, then go through really in terms of flexibility and to quickly adapt was something that it was really heavily based on uh, UX approach, so user experience uh, design. And I, I, f I found it fascinating because this, this is something that was only applied uh, to, to a certain extent to... Um, to digital, um, digital methodology, and now we're seeing them being applied to physical, and and really the the, the last the last theme I would like to to talk here with you is about the the storytelling, the the emotional museum, how emotions and stories create a bigger impact with with the visitor experience. It sounds it sounds perfect. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, so, do you want to sure. start first with the social impact? I would I would say so yes and uh, and the reason also uh is because I was part of a panel uh that was talking about the sociable museum and uh that panel was uh had also uh, Seb Chan uh, who is the director and digital um of of digital and emerging media at the Cooper Hewitt uh here in New York at the Smithsonian Design Museum and uh then it was also it was a panel of five people. Uh, all those people were uh, were quite amazing because they were all bringing another take on what is it to be a sociable museum. Uh, so the other the other uh, panelists uh, were uh, Superscript, which is an event uh, company and design critic thinkers based also here in uh, in New York. And we had another institution represented also. Um, which was the Vitra Museum, uh, represented by Vivian Stapmans, who was the, um, the communication director from that institution. So we tried to organize that panel with the same, with the same perspective. We wanted to actually bring everything, that convergence that you just mentioned before, uh, to bring it together um, and to have a point of view not only from an institutional approach, from a museum approach, but also, you know, from, from, from an experienced designer or, or an exhibit designer, and also from uh, somebody like Superscript that looks um, at what are museums from a critical point of view. And, and really, the, 
the first question was, so what, what does it mean if you want to have a social impact? What does it mean to be uh, not just social but sociable? And I think sociable is, is, is versus social. Social mean, meaning, you know, being busy uh, and, and doing things. But sociable is much more. It's, it's about how it's being generous um, and, and being generous with the audience in a two-way street. What, the, what it means, it's really how can museums... Um, be willing to talk and engage in activities with other people. Uh, what is the beginning of conversations that forge true connection with people? And uh, naturally, when you, when you ask that question, um, most of the time the, the response is um, that museums want to work with the best tools and, and the latest technology. And this is where the social media uh, comes into play. Um, and we see that everywhere. We see th that response on, uh, on okay, how do I engage with an audience that is, is very diverse? Well, let's turn to social media. And I think our, our panel was trying to, to ask, well, social media, we understand that, but is, is technology really the end? Is it, is it an end in itself? And um, so I, was, I would just try to summarize where we, where we landed uh, of course, naturally, it's not, it's not just the, uh, the answer. It's not just the response. Uh, it's a lot more complex than that. Uh, what um, the most important, I think, before even starting with um, what are the tools we use is to, to think about what is the mission? What, what do the museum want to say? And uh, it has something to do with authenticity. So um, that authenticity and that social contract that um, uh, museums have as a responsibility towards, uh, uh, towards their audience and really questioning themselves, so who, who are we or who are they trying to serve? And I think just asking that question, um, just asking that question is... Um, is the principle, is the basis to say, all right, do museums really want to be sociable first? <laughs> I think that's a almost. great question. Yeah, and what happens is um, I think there is a huge, um, huge um, break from, from different, from different, at uh, different point of views. How do we, um, what is the motivation to, to be sociable, to, to engage with people? And most of the time the answer will be, well, it's, it's driven by marketing, it's driven by uh, uh, to generate more visitors, is driven by, uh, well, a, a dollar amount and uh, the funding that I have. And at the end of the day, we can be very critical and say, well, is it, is it just the only mo motivation? Naturally, uh, obviously, it's not, and, and, and we all know that. But it was a, there was a big reaction in the audience and, and from the panel to say, well, museums need to, to go back to really define what their message is and, and be authentic. And, and then the, the start point for that is really to, to say, all right, museums need to be the catalyst and the facilitator for conversation. And... Um, 
naturally you will, people will say, so how, how do you do that? And uh, um, in my opinion, you don't have to look too far away. You don't have to, um, uh, you, you don't have to think too, um, too hard just by thinking, okay, where, where, what are social spaces? Social spaces are, are naturally, you know, cafes, uh, parks, even museums can become social pa- spaces. So at the end of the day, what we want to do is to offer a space where, uh, where people can have that conversation, create be welcoming, um, create, create that engagement. And when we are talking about uh, physical and digital, uh, in terms of how can we take the conversation that is happening in the cloud and bring it back in the physicality of the museum, in, in its own premises. And um, there was a term that was just put there on the, uh, in, in the air, was how can we make that experience digital? And digital in that terms is actually the blending between physical and digital. And it's really about bridging the digital and then social media and whatever else with the physical world to create a unique interactive experience for the user. That is is fascinating, and I love that term. I just want to repeat it again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I can. Fidgetal. Fidgetal? Fidgetal. Fidgetal, yes. Okay, repeat that five (laughs) times. No, I think that, you know, that... What I'm what I'm finding fascinating, Alan. We're going to break in a minute, um, but but just to sort of uh, respond to a couple of the the uh, the comments that you've made is that it sounds as if uh, this panel in particular was really striving to, as you have just demonstrated, to create a, a broader language for us to talk about these things because I think that that is often where, particularly at conferences, we can get a little bogged down and, you know, it's easy to talk in generalities without really moving the conversation forward. It sounds as if uh, here the conversation was moved forward quite uh, tremendously. We hope so. We hope so, yes. Great, great. Well, I'm. Uh, we're going to take a very short break. I'm going to practice saying fidgetal ten times so I get really good at it. And when we come back, uh, Alan, Alan is going to share even more of uh, of his his thoughts and uh, impressions of the Museum Next conference. Uh, just remember, you can always reach me at carol.bossert at verizon.net. Also, next week I will be at the American Alliance of Museum, so if you're going to be there, uh, please uh, uh, send me an email, uh, send me a text, and uh, let me know what you think about the show. Uh, this show is for you, and I want to make sure we're talking about uh, things that you feel are important in our field. So we will be back in a moment. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Women can live their lives to the fullest and realize their dreams for growth and greatness. Georgine Summers knows... 
As host of On the Edge, Georgine will give you powerful tools and rules to help you change direction in your life and get rid of the fears that stop you from living your dreams. Stretch your boundaries and become the amazing person you've always wanted to be. On the Edge with Georgine Summers airs live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert. You're listening to Museum Life. And today uh, I have the great privilege, I think we all do, uh, to hear from Alan Tokmakoff, who has been at the Museum Next Conference and talking, uh, sharing with us sort of the key trends uh, and impressions that he observed and also participated in in this conference. And Alan, before we uh, went to break, you were talking about the social impact of, uh, you know, the importance of, of social impact. I'm wondering uh, if you would like to shift now to perhaps the second theme that you were talking about, which is this uh, need to uh, for museums to adapt to change and and be flexible. And as we know, most you know, flexibility is not a word that many of us would associate with museums. Uh, so I think it's probably still a huge challenge. It is indeed, Carol, and thank and thank you for um, the what we what we've seen uh, as uh, I would like actually to use to use an example. Um, and I think Shirley Bernstein from the from the Brooklyn Museum, uh, who is the vice director of digital engagement and, and technology, um, did a session that I think is really summarizing the trend that is happening. And 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 not wanting to give everything away, I would I would summarize that what is happening is 
We have, uh, especially from the point of view of an exhibition designer, um, always thought, you know, we look very intuitively at how to create the best uh, experience for a visitor. And we sometimes forget that actually so many other fields are trying to do exactly the same thing. And, and Shirley was um, uh, using the example of the Ask app uh, that they are producing and they are developing now at the Brooklyn Museum. So Shirley comes from a, from a background of, of user experience. I hope I'm summarizing her background the right way. But um, the, there is one principle that is quite amazing and that has not been really integrated in when we develop an exhibition or when we develop a, a museum. And it's, it's that flexibility aspect. It's, um, it's the prototyping, allow time to prototype something. And it goes even much, much uh, further. It's not just prototyping in a corner and then doing the final product, uh, but it is actually prototyping and trying out something. Uh, and basically, I think, I think most of, of you know it's, it's that agile approach, agile methodology, uh, where the goal is really to de develop the minimal viable product as fast as possible to uh, try it, uh, put it in use, and then see what works and what doesn't work, and then change it, reiterate it, and then continue. So you can imagine just, just such an approach you, you go to, you can imagine the challenge, um, just going back to, uh, the, to, um, to the, the director of the museum and saying, hey, what I want to do is to do a pilot project. Uh, I, I need about six weeks. I will know uh, in six weeks what that pilot project or the outcome will be. Um, and um, Shirley really summarized that very well. I mean, people will look at you and say, but we have, you know, we have plans six months or six, six months or, or one year or two years ahead. And uh, here we're doing like that rapid project that we don't even know what, what the end result will be. Uh, absolutely, so I, and it may not be as polished. You know, a prototype is never as polished as uh, the final product, and, and many museum directors don't want something that isn't perfect and polished on, their, on the exhibit floor. Exactly, and I think that's what... In a way, we, we, we're all worried about this. We all are, well, how can I, how can I do this? What will be the, the image of, of my institution, my museums, my exhibition be if I do something like that? And I think there is a little bit of risk-taking, uh, definitely. And I will give you the example of, of that, that app, the Ask app. I mean, the goal, the, old, the goal of the Ask app is really um, to create a dynamic and responsive museums uh, that, uh, that foster dialogue and spark conversation between the staff and the visitors. So it's, it's something like, wow, creating a dynamic and responsive museum. Okay, cool. That sounds really good. But how many, how many museums do re really manage to do that? It's, um, it was like the big question. So how, how they've done it is um, they created, the, the whole experience is uh, you have either an iPhone or an iPad. It's um, using 
the visitor will go through the uh, through the um, exhibition. They will see uh, a work of art that they want to ask a question, and they will have the possibility through um, iPads that will be on the floor or an app uh, to ask questions to the curatorial staff. And uh, there will be eye beacons around that will help the curatorial staff to, you know, to know more or less uh, what are the work of arts around, and that will help the staff to respond to their question. And what I find amazing in this is um, to, to hear Shirley saying that actually uh, visitors have been so engaged by that. They have been so, because we always think about, you know, you use digital technology and actually it becomes not human. And her response were, or the Brooklyn Museum response were, how can we make that more human? So they've put this, they, the staff that was trained to respond to those questions, they put them in the lobby. So when the visitors are actually going around, they will actually see that it was not a robot, it was not uh, you know, some kind of invisible presence that were responding to their questions, but actually these were these, these people there um, gathered together that were actually interacting. So when you leave, when you leave the space, you can uh, interact with them, you can ask more questions, etc. Well, and for me, this whole approach was, was amazing, and at the same time, you ask big questions. It asks, well, how, who has the means to, to hire more staff? I think it's one of the big yes. questions that uh, a lot of institutions are, are facing. Do you have the money to do that? And how, how can we create that dialogue between staff and, and visitors if, we, um, if actually we're restraining the staff that, that we have? It's a total change of, you know, priorities here. Yes, and uh, and it changes the role of the curator from being someone who is working behind the scenes to, say, develop the exhibit or, or do the research to someone who is directly engaging with the visitors as a member of the frontline staff. Uh, exactly. That is... Uh, that... Yeah is pretty revolutionary. Uh, it shouldn't be, but, but it is. It's changing job roles, as, as you say. And it's also, you know, I think oftentimes in, in society, we think of technology as a replacement for human beings. And in, you're absolutely right. In this example, it is a way of showing how the technology can mediate, but mediate between human beings in, in real time. That is... Uh, uh, how how long has has this uh, project been been going on at the Brooklyn Museum? Well, I think it's in the test period, and uh -huh. uh, I, I cannot for sure say if now it's. Uh, I would. I mean, the next thing I would do is basically I just came back a few days, maybe during the weekend I would just go and, and see for myself how it works. Um, what what I know though is that the curatorial staff had some involvement, and then they went to the stage where actually they had to hire external staff mm -hmm. and um, you know and and educate them or just have some some sessions where actually they are brought to speed to how they can talk about art so it's it, i think it's it it has different levels of engagement as a curator but then you can curator will help other staff to be to be present there and it will help them to know about the subject and it will create a database also with questions and all this Mm -hmm. Well, uh, there is another. There is another thing as well that I found it really. I'm sorry, Carol, if I interrupt. No, 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 go, no go go right ahead. Okay. Um, 
what's happened as well is this here we're talking at the digital level but also what they're implementing at the same time and that that's again that a dialogue between uh, digital and physical uh they implemented um they decided to go along with a flexible furniture because as as they deal they were dealing with the app uh, something that were ju- it was just a prototype they wanted to try out. They said, okay, now we need how to create a space where we generate dialogue. How can we create a space that doesn't have you know, just the right plugs to just plug your phone? Simple things, very simple things. I want to charge my phone. It's, it's one of the... I use social media through my phone. So uh, how can I create spaces that... Uh, where if I put a furniture if I, or I offer more seatings, they are not in the middle of the space and I cannot predict how visit, visitors will interact with it or if they are you know, in the way. And uh, so the solution, again, is, okay, let's make it flexible. Let's make flexible furniture that you can move around uh, that are welcoming, offer seating possibilities, like, and then offer uh, charging stations like at the airport. And I think it's, it doesn't sound revolutionary, but at the same, because there are simple solutions, but at the same time, it is because uh, to say I put something in the middle of the space or on the side of the space, but if it doesn't work, I can move it, I can change it, I can update it. That's something that more and more we're, we're hearing from all our clients. So definitely th- direction. I think that also, uh, and we may not have time to really delve into this today, Alan, maybe you can come back on the show, but this this really does uh, have some implications in the way many of our institutions and those of us who are are, uh, serving clients do business. Uh, because oftentimes we're asked to come in and design and develop the show and even uh, locate where those benches need to be, and then that's it. We go away. And so what you're saying is that in the need for flexibility, both the institution and the design team need to be thinking about, uh, about their jobs in much more of an iterative way. Uh, and, and, I, and I find that interesting. How, yeah. I'll find it interesting to see how you and, and others and in, in, uh, in your, uh, your partners begin to internalize that in the way you, you uh, change your practice. Yes, yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely something that actually we try to, I mean, as I said, many, many clients are just constantly saying, you know, it, it's that factor in terms of how much do you invest into an exhibition that will be there for five years and how much how much can we achieve with maybe less, but that can be more updatable and reflect, you know, the current thinking or, or the current interest from a visitor point of view or from the, the message that the curatorial staff wants to, 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 to put on the, uh, in the middle of the space. So I have, I have there were so many more examples uh, Carol, that I'm, I'm not sure I would be able to go through all of this, but maybe if I have time, I wanted to just add another one to yes. um, about oh, the prototyping. Yes, please do. Yes, please Excellent. do. I, I find this very interesting. Uh, another project was um, by uh, the EPFL in Switzerland, which is uh, EPFL is the École Polytechnique Fédérale de Lausanne. 
which is a polytechnical institute. Uh, and uh, the project is called Under One Roof. What I find amazing, uh, because you, we, are, we are talking about one of the top uh, technology school in the world um, that are dealing usually with technology, microtechnic, uh, even, even architecture. But what I find amazing is that at the moment they, are, um, they will start a project uh, where they want to build an experiment, experimental museum space. Um, and the reason being, uh, they want to, um, th th there is a huge, as you can imagine, technology, uh, a technology school will have many, many type of you know, innov innovations or, or discoveries, and they want to feature those somewhere. But at the same time, they want to make the link between technology and, and digital humanities, so basically how you know, how, how are the users impacted? How can we, um, it, it's, it's basically almost like, uh, you know, industrial design, but at, at another scale. And actually, to that respect, they also uh, collaborate with, uh, with a design school that is called LECAL. But what I find fascinating is that they are dedicating, by building a new space, and they are ded dedicating a huge amount of money where actually they can experiment uh, with new exhibition technologies, uh, allowing to feature their projects, of course, so there is an interest, but that possibility of prototyping uh, with the means of a technology school. So we're talking about, you know, 3D printing, and then we're talking about um, uh, bringing on board uh, a cultural aspect and merging it with technology. For me, I, w I was there, wow, when can I, can I be part of this? When can I just go there and play with you guys to actually create something? And um, I have, I have a, a couple of examples uh, the, of the projects they are talking about, and I would not, it will be quite quick. Uh, they are looking at, um, th there's one project called the Blue Brain Project, so they are looking at uh, simulating all the, all the pixels, almost like I say pixels, but uh, all the connections of a brain. So you can imagine how uh, just uh, you, we cannot even uh, imagine what the size of that means. So they are working with a, a lot of big datas and how to visualize the big data. So they are, we're talking about beautiful visualization from a technological aspect. Uh, they are also talking about um, digitizing the entire collection of the Montreux Jazz Festival, which has started in 1967 and all the way through 2007 has recorded and filmed all their, all their shows. So it's like hours and hours of, um, of media that has been, has been memorized somewhere. And actually, that project by itself... Is, um, will be part of Memory of the World uh, and uh, registered under the, the UNESCO. So it will be the first digital media project of this kind. Um, and you will be able to go in the space and there will be an immersive environment. And the idea is not just to, to be able to listen to it again, but actually to simulate different theaters that, um, that, uh, that music was playing 
So it's, it's simulating the environment. It's, um, it's bringing back a media. It's bringing back a media to life. And I, I found just the opportunities that this lab was offering uh, just, just amazing. And I wish that every museum project, even not at this extent, could have um, a part of research and development dedicated to every single project where we, can, where we could do this kind of prototyping, uh, but not just stay in the corner, in the back room, but then, again, as, as with the agile methodology, you know, you bring them on site, you try them, you see the response, and then you iterate them. Oh, that sounds... Yes, I want to go uh, and be part of that too, Alan. That is very inspiring. We unfortunately are going to have to take our second break. And when we come back, uh, more uh, with Alan and the very interesting uh, activities that were uh, brought to life at the Museum Next Conference. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. We'll be back just in a moment. Please stay tuned. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tune in Tuesdays and join the credit master and consumer advocate, Mr. D, a.k.a. Bruce J. Danielson, and learn the whole truth about credit risk scoring, collectors, both kinds, credit bureaus, credit cards, tax liens, mortgages, and much more. Find out how to use accountability combat to protect yourself from becoming a victim and to fight back against corporate abusers, such as banksters who have taken unfair advantage of most of us. The Consumer Fightback Show educates consumers on how to find relief within today's onerous credit system. See you Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Do you feel like you are alone in a desert? Often we feel alone with no place to turn for help and guidance in our troubles that always seem to be so overwhelming. Stop. Take an hour each week to tune in to Stream in the Desert with Dr. Rita Huang. Dr. Rita will share stories of people just like you, intended for you to find some inspiration in their problems and solutions. The most important thing is that you are not alone. Others have been in the same place. Share some time with us every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific, and on demand on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Museum Life with Carol Bosser. To reach our program today, 
please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. Uh, this is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. And before we dash to the end of this show, I just want to thank Alan again for taking on what is truly an impossible task of trying to digest and synthesize for us a very robust multi-day conference into an hour program. And, and Alan, uh, clearly from the very beginning, uh, I can see that you've put a lot of time and thought into this uh, on behalf of Museum Life and all of our listeners. And so I just want to thank you for that. And uh, so then I would like to also allow you to share a little bit about the third theme that you identified, which is the emotional or the storytelling theme. And I'm just going to get out of the way and let you tell your story. (laughs) Thank you, Carol. So, yes, indeed, the, the third component of, of thing of all this this journey and happening at the at the museum next was heavily on emotions um, the emotional museum and I mean again we're going back to user experience design I think there are some methodology uh, there are some um, how do you how do you tell a story and there were different uh, it was going. There were different sessions, but in some ways they were all going to, into, into the same direction. So um, one of them, I want to take uh, the opportunity to talk about one particular case, which was a workshop about the Inzovu curve. Um, and I think it will really illustrate what, what we're talking about here. Uh, the Inzovu curve was, was developed uh, part of, um, of the Kigali Genocide Memorial Center in Rwanda by a group. And the, the question was, how do we convert empathy uh, into meaningful and sustainable action? So uh, what we're talking about here is how can we map the, the, us- the user experience journey uh, to create a transformative experience? And this, uh, naturally, uh, it, it's, a, it's a model, uh, but I, I had the impression that this kind of approach can be applied to any project that, that we can work on. And just to summarize very quickly how it works, is really you, uh, the idea is to identify uh, pain points. Uh, and once, um, once you identify those pain points, you move to actually allow... Um, what, sorry, just before that, when you create pain points, what the, the emotion that actually generates to, for a visitor would be empathy. And uh, the whole question is, how do you move from empathy to taking action? How do you move from empathy to compassion? And I think that's the whole problem, especially in, in a, such a uh, dramatic and heavy subject, um, there is actually a way to do that because if you don't, you will actually be stuck on the bottom and people will be frustrated and they will feel like they have no power. And the, the method to do it is to offer, I will try to very quickly describe it, to offer moments of reflection. So um, even if it's just a separate moment where, where visitors can, can have a pose and then 
uh, give them moments of hope, uh, naturally through the content, so to see what, uh, for example, personal stories of what those people have done. And by doing so, you take the visitor through an emotional journey that goes from, uh, from, seeing really in, from feeling the empathy to now uh, seeing the end of the tunnel, seeing what they can do to actually um, be able to, to participate in that. So basically to take action. And um, it's, it, it's just, it sounds so um, uh, natural to say, yes, of course, this is what, what we need to do. But actually it is so very difficult to apply in a project for different reasons. One is let's, to identify the pain points. Um, is, I mean, we're working, uh, we're working on a project at the moment, which is for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation Center in Seattle. And, and the, the, the story that uh, the, the visitor center wants to tell is, hey, how can we show success? So when you want to show success, the next question is, then do you want to show pain points or not? I mean, it's a big debate that, that we want, that we're having at the moment. And then the, the, obviously the next question is, we want visitors to take action, but how can you really do as a visitor in your center take action? And, uh, well, the, sometimes the response can be not as complicated as we think. Is you can take action just by bringing our, uh, awareness, just by, by going out and just reading more about that particular topic. You can also suggest to the visitor, what can you do, you know, in three minutes, in three hours or three days, or maybe in three years. So you can have different levels of, of responses. And then somebody at the conference came with a really good suggestion is maybe, maybe to take action, you can learn an emotional skill, you know, how, how to learn compassion, for example. And um, so anyway, that was one of the, the key moments for me uh, that was one of the many moments that we're talking about, you know, customer journey mark, uh, mapping workshop, experience mapping that happened in all different uh, sessions throughout Museum Next. Well, I think that that is uh, quite, uh, it, it, it's one of the more uh, difficult things, as, as you say, but more and more institutions seem to be trying to find a way of addressing it. And again, what I hear, uh, truly hear you say is that, that at the Museum Next Conference, uh, a vocabulary was developed in which to, to talk about it. Exactly. And I think what is, what is fascinating is that vocabulary that was really uh, digital-based now becomes actually a, a, some physical, has an impact on how we design a physical exhibition, which I find fascinating. Yes. So, so much more uh, going back to the phys, physical. The physical, <laughs> yes. It, it, somebody on Twitter started to actually sing about it, so it was like, fidgetal, fidgetal, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. So, uh, thank you, Alan. I, I, uh, now I won't be able to get that song out of my head. Um, yep. So, uh, I, I guess uh, I'm going to ask you a very, very uh, challenging uh, question here, and and that is so of all of the of all of the the activities and the discussions and and you know we've laughed sort of about some of the vocabulary, but what is truly the one thing now that you've been back for a couple of days that you're going to take with you and 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 try to expand in your own practice as a designer? 
Well, I have, I have to say, I mean, there are, there are, there's definitely, um, there, it's, it's a mixture of everything that I was talking about. Uh, the digital is definitely something that we, uh, we started for a long time to actually investigate, and we want to push more and more. How can we make the physical space integrate the digital realm and, and make such a much more interactive and meaningful experience. That's one of the things. And the other thing is really to, to, to really integrate what um, that, that story arc that, you know, uh, I mean, naturally we create a narratives when we create exhibitions, but to be able to really map it in such a clear way and use the methodology of user experience design I think is a, is just a key factor that will will integrate in our practice more and more. Uh, I think that's very very um, that's very challenging and uh, possibly optimistic. I but I do like this idea of mapping uh, the narrative in a very uh, uh, conscious and. Uh, uh, informed way as opposed to I think what perhaps we've done before is we generate a narrative and we hope people get something out of it. Yeah. I mean it's a narrative linked to emotions and mm-hmm. that's the best way to learn something, right? Yes. Yes. Ab- yeah. Absolutely. So where is the conference next year? Um, that's a good question. I know there is a conference. They have actually another conference in, um, in Indianapolis. Um, yes. In, um, this, this still this year, so I think that that's the next step, and uh, we have to go there, and then the next one will be, will be somewhere as as amazing as it was in in Geneva this year. I'm 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 relying on the, the on, on Jim and his team to to come with some fantastic, uh, fantastic ideas and, and locations. Yes, yes, and I'm going to uh, perhaps start planning now so that I could get away. Uh, it it does seem as if uh, per oh I how many people attended this conference? Do you have a sense? Yeah, I think that was that was kind of a uh, record for them. I think it, we 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 reach about 600 delegates, which is that conference just becomes bigger and bigger every year, and and more and more people are just interested to hear. Um, it's a different take. That conference really is, off- is offering a different take at, um, um, you know, it's, uh, at what is the latest trends, what is the future, and it's it's very critical as well of of itself. It's it just it has it has debates, it has workshops, it has an open stage. So I think the format of it is quite um, is quite amazing in itself. And well, it's really promoting creativity. You know, yeah. Yes, yes, and much, much uh, different than some of our more traditional uh, uh, museum conferences uh, where, where there are so many activities that we really don't get a chance to talk to each other, and of course that's really what it's all about. Uh, Alan, I cannot thank you enough and so uh, for doing uh, all of this work and, of course, attending the conference and participating in the conference and synthesizing these key ideas for us so very, very clearly. Uh, I look forward to reading your blog uh, more carefully, uh, and that is... Um, 
uh, could you remind us again of, of the Museograph. blog? Museograph.org. Museograph. Yes. And uh, also, if you are interested, please uh, talk with Alan further at uh, on, on Twitter, Alan Tokmakoff. Alan, thank you so very much uh, for being on thank the show you, this week. And we will be back uh, next week. As I said, uh, I will be attending AAM, and I will be doing a follow-up, as I have in years past, with new people who are, are uh, coming to AAM for the first time uh, and getting their impressions. So I hope you will join me for that discussion as well. Until then, this is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net. <laughs>